Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for First Baptist Church Keller TX in the iTunes Store or in the podcast app on your mobile device. And now here's our pastor, Keith Sanders. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1 is our text this morning. Very first chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Well, in our home, the Sanders home, we read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 before we open our Christmas presents. But this morning, I want to back up a little bit before we get to Luke 2, and let's read about the events leading up to the birth of the Savior. Matthew begins his Gospel with a rather lengthy genealogy. And his purpose was to show that Jesus was indeed a descendant of King David, through whom God had promised to send the Messiah. And having shown that, he turns our attention to the facts surrounding the birth of the Savior. So let's read Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of this, his word. Now the title of today's message is God with us. Matthew begins his gospel here in chapter 1 as a historian would. He uses very specific names and people to describe something that has literally happened. He is in effect reporting the news. Matthew 1 cannot be taken as poetry or metaphor with any degree of objectivity. This is history. Matthew is saying this thing literally happened. God condescended to take on human flesh and become one of us. So our first point in your outline is God with us literally. Look how he begins. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ. That is a birth announcement. The literal birth of the Messiah. Now this is an important historical distinction to make. There are many through the years who have held a low view of Scripture who have sought to remove any hint of the miraculous or the supernatural from the pages of Scripture. So they'd read a passage like the ones that I just read and interpret it to mean that, yes, God is with us, but metaphorically or spiritually, that they would reject out of hand many of the key elements of the narrative and many of the core doctrines of Orthodox Christianity. Namely, the doctrine of the incarnation, enfleshment, that God who is spirit took on a human body in the person of Jesus Christ. They would say that this man, Jesus, was a good man, maybe even an extraordinary man, maybe even a man to be emulated and modeled after Maybe they would even say he's a prophet of God. Maybe they would even say that he was a misunderstood martyr. 
but they would stop short of saying that He's God in the flesh. And they would certainly reject the notion of the virgin birth. There have been some horrible and slanderous and downright blasphemous theories of who the biological father of Jesus is through the years. There is the old story of the nameless Roman soldier. There's the idea that uh, Joseph was the father and he changed the story and came up with this miraculous circumstance to cover his tracks. That's not the case. The scripture clearly says, it was prophesied hundreds of years before that the Savior would be born of a virgin. And there can be no mistaking, this is Matthew's literal account of the incarnation and the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see that God is with us literally, but He's also with us miraculously. Now I had the joy of being present in the room with my dear wife as each of our four children was born. And I every time stood amazed at the goodness of God and the genius of His creative designing of the human body. And every birth seems miraculous, especially one's own children. But when we say and teach that Jesus' birth was miraculous, we mean it was supernatural in nature. That it is outside of the realm of the laws of nature. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus' birth was miraculous and different and distinct than any other birth before it or since, or that will ever be, in that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Well, we don't know, except that God miraculously conceived this child in the womb of Mary. Luke 1, 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man Named Joseph. Now you understand that in those days um, these betrothals were long complex things. Uh, genuinely the marriage was worked out between the parents of the two parties and there were contracts to be written. There were things to be fulfilled. There was a, a big ceremony. There was a long celebration. So it, it was quite an event to be married but it was very clear that they were not yet married in the eyes of God. And the scripture says that Joseph kept her a virgin, and her name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. And he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Over and over that is emphasized. Not just a young girl, it is a virgin, a man who's never, a woman who's never been with a man. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In terminology and using words that are unmistakable, this child is supernatural. So, Matthew here in chapter 1 has laid before us a historical narrative 
the facts surrounding the literal birth of the Savior. And the question to ask of any historical narrative is, so what? That was the question my history students asked when I was a public school teacher quite often. I would tell them of these wonderful events in human history and they would look at me and say, so what? Well, that's really not a bad question to ask. It means what is the implication? More specifically, it means how does it affect me on a personal level? Well, we would have to read the rest of the four gospels this morning to get the full answer to the question, what is the meaning of the supernatural birth of Jesus? But fortunately, we have the answer summarized for us in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. And Rob is now putting on the screen Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Now listen as I read. The writer of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is with us, literally and miraculously, and thirdly, He's with us sinlessly. The purpose of Christ's incarnation, His miraculous conception and literal birth are found here in Hebrews 4. Jesus did not take on human flesh because He was lonely in heaven. I've heard someone say that before. It was not because He wanted to set a good example of a life well lived. He did that, but that was not His purpose. Friends, Jesus was born to die as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Could not be clearer in Scripture. Now, the Bible tells us of three offices that the Lord Jesus fulfilled in His incarnation. First of all, there's the office of prophet. There were many great prophets through the centuries. John the Baptist was the last of the New Testament prophets leading up, Old Testament prophets leading up to Jesus' birth. A prophet is one who tells the people about God. He proclaims a message from God to the people. Jesus also feel, fulfills the role of king. The Scripture tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess of things of heaven on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the King of Kings. But there's a third office that He fulfills that's described here in Hebrews 4 and that is He is the priest, specifically the high priest. Now if a prophet is someone who proclaims God's message to the people, a priest is one who intercedes before God on behalf of the people. You know that in the Old Covenant they had a system of priests. There were many of these Levitical priests and they made sacrifices day by day uh, in the temple. But there was every year one man appointed to the office of high priest. And he had a very specific function. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, he would go into the temple and he would pass through um, the public places and he would make his way until that curtained area called the Holy Place. And he would go still farther in until that inner sanctum called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies was housed the Ark of the Covenant. 
And there upon the lid of that ark called the mercy seat, he would sprinkle the blood of that perfect sacrificial lamb once a year, which means a covering. Atonement means a covering for the sins of the people. And then he would immediately turn and come back out and they would start the year over again. But year after year he had to keep repeating, or whoever was the high priest had to keep repeating those sacrifices. And do you know why they had to keep sacrificing day after day, year after year there in the temple? Because the people kept sinning day after day, year after year. And so this was really a foreshadowing of the coming of the Messiah. When John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus coming towards him out in the wilderness, he instructed people to look, behold, the Lamb of God. This is the true Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not only is Christ the sacrifice, He is also the mediator. He is the priest. And this is what Hebrews chapter 4 tells us. But He's a specific kind of priest. There's an adjective added to His title. He's called the sympathetic high priest. So, we see that not only is God with us very literally, He's with us miraculously. He's also with us sympathetically. That, that's an important thing to know. We sing a, a Christmas carol around here where we repeat the refrain, comfort and joy, comfort and joy, as well we should. Because one of the things that happens when we understand the meaning of the incarnation is that it brings to all believers comfort and joy. Again, verse 18 verse 15 rather of Hebrews 4, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. It's a comfort to know that Jesus understands our weaknesses. He is not cold and aloof. Even the Hebrews who had the Old Testament did not comprehend the closeness of God much of the time. Even though He was there, He was not hiding from them. They stayed away from, from Him. But our God is not aloof. The, the Gentiles, many of them, the Greeks, the Romans, their idea of God was that He was cold and distant and stoic and did not care for them. And this is not how God is revealed for the person and work of Jesus. He knows our weaknesses. He has experienced our temptations, tempted in every way we are. The difference is that he never sinned. He cares, in other words, about what we care about. He loves us. He's not a distant deity. He is a sympathetic Savior. And, and if that were not enough, the fact that God is with us this Christmas literally, miraculously, and sinlessly, and sympathetically, what is more is that He has made it possible that we can be in His presence eternally. It's not just that we have a God who created us, He did, and provides for us, He, did, he does, but it's not just in this life. David said in the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But when he comes to the sixth verse of Psalms 23, he says, Surely, manifestly, obviously, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That is, as long as I'm living. And, he adds, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, how long? 
forever. He, he is a God who is with us eternally. John chapter 14, one of my favorite passages to read, particularly at the funeral service of believers. You want to talk about sympathy? You want to talk about compassion? You want to talk about comfort and joy? Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples in John 14, 1 through 3. He says, uh, and by the way, he's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows that uh, this three and a half years that he spent with them nearly 24 hours a day is coming to an end. And there was going to be a period of separation after his death and ascension into heaven. He knew that they would face persecution, the likes of which we saw on the screen earlier today. But this is how he brought comfort to their heart. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. My friends, this is the promise of God. Not only to the 12 apostles who were there that day, but to all who would believe on Christ. Some of you have lost loved ones in the last 12 months since we last celebrated Christmas. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have been diagnosed with devastating illnesses. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Christ and His promises. He's there now preparing a place for us. Comfort and joy are the domain and the dwelling place of those who know Him. Revelation 21, this same John who recorded those words of Jesus in John 14 had a great and wonderful privilege. Historians believe that the Apostle John was the only one of the Apostles who did not die a very violent martyr's death. He was instead isolated on the Isle of Patmos. And there he had a series of visions given to him from God. And God allowed him to supernaturally see into the future and how this world ends and how God ultimately will make all things right. And he told him further to write down what he saw. And the book of Revelation is for our benefit living today that we may have comfort and joy even in the face of turmoil and chaos that is going on all around us. And Revelation chapter 21 says this, verse 1. This is John speaking of his vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. And so when we think about the Christmas story, it is 
wonderful to think about that baby. But remember that that baby is God in the flesh. This is the doctrine of the incarnation and the virgin birth on display. He was with us and is with us quite literally. He is literally seated at the right hand of the Father. And He is literally one day going to return for His church. And I pray it would be 2019, if not before the end of 2018. Lord Jesus, come quickly. He is with us literally. He is also with us miraculously. And yes, the virgin birth was miraculous, but uh, it is a miracle every time a lost soul is born again. Would you agree? And we pray that the Lord would send us many of those miracles in days ahead. But the way that He saves lost souls is through His atoning work on the cross. And that's why it's so important that when we think of the baby, we don't leave Him in the crib. That baby grew up to be tempted in every way we are. He grew to adulthood, tempted in every way we are. The Scripture says, yet without sin Christ died for us. He is the sinless Savior. That can only be said of Jesus. He is the only one qualified to die as a substitute for our sins. He's with us sinlessly, but He's also with us sympathetically. Sometimes I think we Baptists uh, fail to emphasize this enough. We love to talk about the atonement as well we should. We love to talk about His sinlessness as well we should. We, ought to, we love to emphasize the virgin birth as we should. But let's not forget that the Lord Jesus loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's not just that He loved us enough to die on the cross. It's that He cares about us right now. He cares about your financial situation. He cares about your rebellious children. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your business. He cares about this church and the things that are going on here. He cares about your health. We serve a sympathetic Savior and not a distant deity. Therefore, because we do, we can come with boldness, Hebrew says, to the throne of grace. Aren't you glad that for believers God's resting place is a throne of grace and not a throne of wrath? The Bible tells us in Revelation, this same Revelation that I read from just a minute ago, that uh, one day every person that's ever been born is going to stand before God's throne. And the books are going to be opened of everything we've ever done and thought and said. And friends, if we were to be judged solely upon that, we would all perish. But the Bible says the book of life is going to be opened. And whoever's name is written there will not perish. He'll spend eternity, she'll spend eternity in heaven. But if your name is not written in the book of life, you'll be cast into the lake of fire. What about you, friend? Is Christmas good news for you? Is it just a, a reason to get together with family and indulge your appetites? Or is Christmas a celebration of the incarnation, the miraculous birth and the fact that you've been born again because of that miraculous birth. Well, if it's not been that for you up until this year, it can be starting today. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
You'll say, well, that's not for me. Yes, it is. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I would uh, plead with you today. If you came in this room today without assurance of salvation, if you just came out of sense of obligation or habit or nostalgia, I call you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. That means we have to come to him on his terms, which as I often tell our people here is with empty hands and outturned pockets. Not from a position of leverage or negotiation. We have nothing with which to negotiate. We have no leverage. We come to him as a spiritual pauper and say with the publican, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. If you'll come to God with that spiritual attitude today, I can assure you, based on the promises of Scripture, he will hear you, he will save you, he will forgive you, he will give you a home in heaven by writing your name in the book of life. And I would uh, pray that you would bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word this Christmas season. We see it afresh that Jesus is more than a man. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a person upon which we should model our lives. He is God, a very God, God in the flesh perfect in every way, a sympathetic Savior, one who has been tempted in every way that we are, yet sinlessly he went to the cross that he may be our substitute. He is not only the sacrifice, he is the priest who offers that sacrifice and eternally he will be the King of kings and Lord of lords over all creation. And Father, as we think about Christmas this year, and we look at the baby in the manger, Help us, Lord, to contemplate these things, even as Mary contemplated these things in her heart. Father, I would pray if there'd be even one lost soul here today, that they would repent and be saved. Father, I pray for Christians. I pray indeed your comfort and joy in every believer's heart this week. And I pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.